Hi and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm episode 53. If this is your first episode and perhaps you just randomly tuned in and have no idea what to expect, the Sweet Spot on a Farm is a podcast about health and food. And it's my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally. I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. I bring in some interesting guests who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers, food producers, therapists and anyone whose business and life mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy. I ask them about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and I wonder what they like to eat. And we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. And today I'll be talking once again about one of my favorite topics, herbal medicine. And my guest is someone I've been chasing for a long time. A herbal medicine and nutrition student, naturopath, master forager, volunteer organic farmer. And it turns out also a poet and singer-songwriter. <laughs> you may know as the Celtic Fox on social media, Luke Heron. Hi. How's it going? Uh, Celtic Fox. Oh, Herbal. Celtic yeah. Fox. Celtic's Sorry. the uh, footballer. Uh, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> do, you, do you, oh my God, they're going to laugh. If anyone from work is going to listen to this episode, they're going to laugh because <laughs> I work for a sports streaming company. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that's where I got it from. I am so sorry. Okay. <laughs> rewind, rewind. <laughs> you may know him as the Celtic Fox Herbal, to be precise, on social media. Um, yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to have a good chuckle over this. Anyway. <laughs> um, I've been trying to talk to you for quite a while, but you're you're very busy. You've been very busy with your studies. Yeah, uh, between studies and even uh, up at the farm as well. I've been I, I was quite as full time over the summertime, so I was I was uh, focused on that. And then during my weekends or any time I'm free, I'm I've been away foraging or wildcrafting or doing trips all over the island. Really, um, you know, to do what what I do best, I suppose. You know, and what I enjoy doing. Yeah, I can see that because there's like herbs and branches um, and mushrooms and things hanging everywhere. I don't even know what half of these things are. Um, <laughs> and we're drinking uh, uh, the product of your foraging walks as well, lemon verbena. Yeah, um, uh, so lemon verbena grows at the farm in the polytunnel actually, but then we've got calendula and yarrow uh, thrown into that little tea as well, yeah, so... Very nice, very nice. Um, well, do you know what? Let's. There's so much to talk about, but let's just get started a little bit about you because um, you're quite an interesting character, and you have a lot of <laughs> lot of talents. Foraging is only one of them. Um, but why did you choose herbal medicine? What 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 made you choose this as as your path in life? And also, why in Northern Ireland? Because you're French, aren't you? Mm, ish. I'm French-ish. French-ish. <laughs> yeah, because my parents actually come from the north of Ireland originally, um, and they went to France to move to France. They're actually missionaries, and so they went to France. Uh, they were doing church planting and stuff. And I uh, I grew up in. Um, in the Champagne area of France, out in the countryside, and I spent my childhood running about in the forest, and I got chased by a boar a couple of times with a friend. <laughs> it's great life, you know. Um, 
and uh, we nearly set fire to a field. <laughs> you know, but we, you know, uh, you do things as, as children. But we went out in the in, in in I spent most of my time outside in the wild. Like, in fact, mum couldn't keep me in the house. You know, even to do homework and stuff. I was like always wanting to just be out and you know in the forest or on the fields running with my friends. And um, <clears throat> I suppose life went on. My parents uh, decided to come back to Ireland for sabbatical and just, you know, as their, their parents were getting older. And so I decided to come back with them and go into studies and decide to go through the whole usual life of, you know, expectations and, you know, get a good job, get a mortgage, get all this kind of stuff. Um, which didn't quite work out because <laughs> now I'm here uh, doing what I'm doing now. Um, uh, for the better and so yeah I worked for 10 years in in a corporate kind of environment um, you did what? yeah I worked for I did uh, uh, corporate vi film production or video productions in fact it was making me sicker and sicker I did um, I, I actually did uh, uh, advertisement for oil companies for things that were pretty much soul consuming and soul destroying um, and this was reflecting in my liver and reflecting in my skin. My skin was at one point about 70% covered with psoriasis, like a, a really um, uh, a genetic, I suppose it's got genetic factors, but a genetic uh, yeah, skin, skin condition, but mostly autoimmunity, um, a link to autoimmunity. And uh, it, it got really bad, really, really bad. Um, and it's it's probably because I went completely opposite from what I felt was natural for me as well, you know, being outside, being with nature. No, I was in this box. I can't imagine you doing anything of that. Like that's that's just not you at all. Mm. It's that's actually really surprising to me. I mean, I I suspected that you weren't always, you know, going to. That wasn't always like a childhood dream to be a herbalist. But I would never have imagined that you were doing corporate media type of thing geez that's no. like you may as well have said that you were a banker or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> like john like that's just uh... it's it is it's 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 interesting and, and to be honest i feel it's important that i went through that because i went through the whole idea of nearly having everything i had a car i was living in this big house um i was getting lots of money though somehow i wasn't seeing any of it you know it's just i know somehow the more you work the more you yeah, you know, uh, the the more you spend money, I couldn't save money. I never actually managed to get a mortgage and stuff like that. Things that would have tied me down, actually. Um, and really, I suppose eventually, um, um, it it was very strange. But it was a few few years ago. A lot of things, different things happened. Um, I went I went on a camping trip with friends. Um, and uh, and essentially I had this this kind of dream where this woman came up to me and said what what do you want to do as a child uh, no what what well, yeah what did you want to do as a child what made you happiest as a child she asked first and I was like well being out in nature you know and I, I was going through all this process at that time still working for this corp all this corporate work and then she says yeah what what did you want to be as a child um, and I woke up being like this this is, dream was really intense and about a week later I'd remembered that at one point I wanted to be a doctor and a chef at the same time and I remember going up to a chef and him saying oh you don't want to do that son because you're up early in the morning and you never see your family and all that 
and then I went to a doctor who said, oh, you don't want to do that because you'll be doing years and years and years of studying. And uh, so then I asked my mum, I was like, was that, was that everything? And she was like, no, you wanted to be both a doctor, a chef, and a gardener at the same time. And when you went to those guys and they put you off the idea, I then give you a garden patch where I first grew my, my strawberries. And I was like, that's it. All those three things together, it's herbal medicine. So then a week later, <laughs> I looked up and Googled, you know, all about uh, herbal medicine and, and how do you start, um, start my path that way. And then by the grace of the universe, two months later, I lost my job. Oh, wow. And this propelled me into going to the farm, um, meeting John. And from then I went to an island, lived there with a herbalist and studied and just began my journey, you know. So just for our listeners who might not be familiar um, with who the, the John we are talking about, who that is. So we're talking about um, Helen's Bay Organic uh, Gardens yeah. founder, um, John McCormick, um, who... Um, you can actually catch an episode one and episode 10 where I interviewed John and we talked about his um, story and how he became a, an organic farmer. But that's that's really interesting. But you did not go right away to study herbal medicine here because I actually remember hearing about you from John. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always, I don't know how you came up in quite a few conversations. It was look this and look that. And he's away now living with some herbalist, learning about... You were abroad, I believe, living for a while with some uh, with a herbal um, medicine uh, practitioner, learning about herbs. And then you were due to come back and work at the farm. Mm-hmm. And it must have been around that time when you came back and um, yeah. stu- signed up for, for Danny O'Ross course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting, actually, because... I'd signed up for this course, this herbal medicine course. I'm not going to give any names out, but it's probably the worst one. And it's pretty big. Everybody, if it's the first thing that comes up when you Google, pretty much. Um, um, it was it was a disaster. It's a complete disaster. It's a whole money, money-making thing. But thankfully, that's where I met. I was doing my biomedical uh, studies there. And that's where I met Daniel Raw, who's, who's my current uh, mentor. Um, and he, ta- he says to me, this was the same year that I lost my job, so I'd applied before losing the job and all. He says to me, you need to go to this island <clears throat> to meet Keith Robertson on the Isle of Arran, uh, the Scottish Isle of Arran. And so I went there for two weeks in a June. I actually sold my laptop, my expensive work laptop, to go over there and pay for the course. And it's called the Intensive um, uh, Course uh, in Celtic Herbal Medicine. And uh, so I went there for two weeks, and by the end of that, I just felt this draw to stay on the island. So I asked Keith if he needed any help on the farm, and so he said he'd have a think about it. Um, and lo and behold, two months after that uh, that retreat, let's say, I went back and I started um, helping him out on the on the herb garden, the herb farm, um, and and had this transfer of of knowledge, and and he really got me um, connected to nature. Um, and uh, yeah I mean I was actually going to stay in Scotland I wasn't going to come back um, I was going to give John the bad news of I mean not, not coming back to the north I, 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 with, with the work that I had and the, the scars I suppose I felt so um, so detached from Ireland so um, um, yeah I, I wanted to run away from it um, but at the end of that year, I had gone through a lot of processes. Um, 
I was I was a lot a lot of the time I was by myself, so I was able to actually, I suppose you know, um, cultivate and and come to terms with different things, different aspects um, of of my previous ten years in the corporate world. You know, I was able to forgive myself, forgive people, and uh, from there, uh, um, Danny then gets in touch with me and says, "Well, actually, I'm going to start a course in the north." Uh, of Ireland, in Northern Ireland, and I, I thought, well, Danny's probably one of the best herbalists. I mean, he's world known. I mean, in in terms of the herbalist sphere, um, especially in America, and I was like, that I, I I couldn't let that opportunity go. I had to come back, and there's a reason for me being back. And now that I'm back, I know I'll I'll probably stay in, on this island, anyways. You know, um, and and yeah, started Danny's course. Um, see Excelsior Apprenticeships in Herbal Medicine, and I, I couldn't recommend it any, any, uh, any less than, than this. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. How? What is that course like? Because that's really this. This is amazing. How this whole world um, uh, connects. This is this is such an amazing co- uh, community. But when I interviewed Danny for my podcast, I think it was episode three, and it was back in twenty, the end of twenty seventeen, I believe. And um, we talked about, and he couldn't really talk about the course because he was just in the process of, you know, finalizing it. So he didn't want to say much. And I'm so glad we can talk about it now because, um, you know, he was cooking something and it and, and it came to fruition. And, and it seems to be like a really, really successful and really good course. Um, and... Um, He actually did say to me at the time that I will probably be interested in in, in signing up, and he was right because I will. <laughs> um, but tell me about that course because I've, from what I've heard, it, it is herbal apprenticeship. But um, I heard from different sources and from Danae that it's actually a lot more demanding than just apprenticeship. This seems to be like a university level. There seems to be off biochemistry. It's quite helpful if you have a little bit of knowledge of chemistry, biology, biochemistry, because it would, I believe, it would probably help you with what you're learning. Am, am I about right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's people who are coming from all different types of spheres um, into the course. Um, I suppose it is helpful to have um, maybe a foundation in herbal medicine, which is a, there are a few out there. In fact, the guy who I lived with on the island, um, he he does a foundation course in herbal medicine, um, and um, I, I did it with him. He does he does distance ones as well, um, and and it gives you the basics, I suppose, which is is very helpful because then when you do cover these subject matters, you're actually you're slightly ahead. You know, you aren't having to catch up. Um, whereas there are a couple of people in the class who, who maybe didn't have that background or don't have a background or um, you know but we all have different fortes and that's what's interesting you know he's been selective in who he chooses as part of the group and so we all just feel like a family if you know what I mean so when we see each other and we do things together um, but the course itself um, yeah it's it's unbelievable it's it's um, it is university uh degree level in fact it's being um it's being externally examined by um uh, by an examiner from university um, and the reason we we probably um aren't getting it as a degree is because i suppose the more political aspects of things because we're covering subject matters which um 
sometimes universities often want to stay away from, which though in herbal medicine are extremely relevant um, and where those subject matters are cut out, you're, you're basically creating a huge rift or huge dent in, in the craft. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going through the, all the standard, you know, biomedical, you know, human anatomy um, and physiology down to the chemistry, down to, um, you know, the nitty gritty of stuff, but then with this whole layer of, uh, uh, of plant chemistry. And so you also learn about the plant chemistry. So there is, it, there is a huge amount of science involved in it um, and, and, and a huge amount of learning and to try to understand the human body, how it works. But um, it also brings in the empirical data and that is the most important part in my opinion um, <clears throat> because it's like current science tends to put a blind eye to a lot of things that are maybe um, have been discovered from you know the previous 100 or 200 years unless you can prove it or unless you can you know um, uh, have it on a paper or materialize it now unfortunately in the west we don't have many scientific studies on these plants in fact there's other countries and other parts of the world that are doing a lot of this research which is actually validating the empirical data empirical data being the data that we have since the past thousands of years you know all the way down to the Dioscorides and even even in Ayurvedic um, texts that's even 6,000 years or so and so what, what we're learning to do is to understand how to bring in the empirical data and also how to read the science and how to be able to have this marriage in essence uh, so that we can understand as practitioners how to best um, treat someone and I find that really important because there's there's not one without the other um, you know you have this term phytotherapy or phytotherapist which I find you know slightly detached because it's more um, uh, it's, it's more like being treated like a, a general practitioner, like a doctor, and that the plants have a chemical and that chemical does something. And so if you've got a headache, use that plant which has that chemical and you give that to that person. But it, it's nothing like that. It's all individualized. So you come to me in a consultation, you talk to me for an hour and a half about all your history and all the different things. And I'm trying to get all these different bits of information and from that, I'm then able to deduce and create a formula, or yeah, and, and not just a formula, a lifestyle, um, lifestyle adjustments, uh, maybe also nutrition, um, which can then encourage you or help you to uh, basically have a, you know have better health, you know whatever your your issue or your issues are, um, and so that's. That's where we differ, and that's why we need to have this this eclectic marriage of of uh, of science and previous knowledge. And when people ask me, um, you know, what what if uh, you know, but what you know, what if the thing isn't proven? You know, now first of all, you've got the the clinical experience, which we can see ourselves, but that doesn't mean anything to you. But it's it's nearly like asking me, can you write a scientific paper, please, to prove that the chili is hot? <laughs> you don't need to because you know you know so it's you know there's a lot of it there's a lot of things like that and and That's a great analogy. yeah 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 so it's actually one of danny's ones 
but um, it's 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 very true. It's so true. And the more I've been working with plants, working with nature, the more I realize that this is true. That there's there's far more out there, um, in plants and nutrition in our in our bodies, how our bodies work, and how individual we are, and that there's you know one size does not fit all, and that's a very relevant thing, especially in today's world um and in in medicine today because even how i was treated for my psoriasis was completely wrong um and 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 it only took me a year and a half to go from 70 percent covered in my body um to pretty much now just having a couple little patches on my elbows that is amazing and i do have to say that actually um it is i i feel it is quite positive in 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 that um now um quite a few more um mainstream doctors are trying to push functional medicine and i i know it's not maybe um a perfect because nothing is but i think it's incredibly important discipline right now because it personalizes health and i think that's what we should have been doing all along Um, unfortunately we got carried away with um synthetic drugs and because we obviously thought all those decades ago that that was the answer to everything and unfortunately (laughs) and and what people don't understand as well is 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 a lot of these medicines are actually derived from the petrol the petroleum industry as well um and and one of our lecturers was saying he uh he had calculated that if you were to fill your tank with petrol at the value of what pharmaceuticals sell the petroleum pills for you'd be paying £70,000 to fill your car up. Wow. So that's the markup that they're getting based on this medicine. So you kind of understand in a way when it's, when the world is based on this kind of profit profiteering um, um, model um, and that you can get away with that, then, then you know, of course, there's, there's going to be issues um, and there's going to be people trying to encourage um, the use of this rather than a plant which really all you need to do is put this you know sow the seed into the ground and up it grows um and 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 from that there's medicines already done all you need to do is wait um but you know there's no money really in in that you know you won't you won't yeah it's yeah it is terrible to think where the system got us i mean um you know from the past when there were healers and and you know herbal medicine doctors and and family doctors who were there to truly treat people and and listen to people and you know they would know you from whenever you were a baby to your adulthood and they could you know personalize the treatment that would be personal to you um and then we got to something that is basically mainly just about profit. I mean, uh, yeah, doctors and nurses they study because they 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 believe in in the profession and they want to help people. They want to save lives, but essentially they will become part of a system that's there to be run as a business. I mean, healthcare is no longer. I know we have NHS, and I'm and I'm very grateful for it because it's something that we should be proud of and we should really nurture. But it's still a system that is run like a business. It's it's not there to... I mean, and it has to be to a certain degree. It has to be because you need to, in order to help people, you, you, you do have to make money. I mean, it's it's unfortunately, it's it's the 
the world we live in. But at the same time, I, I, I don't believe that in order to help people, you have to put profit before the people that you're trying to help. That, that's where probably most of the problems problems stem from, from in, in my opinion, you know. Um, um, I suppose for, for me, when I got treated, it was like, you know, you, when you go in for 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 an issue like me, a skin skin issue, you know, get sent to a dermatologist. You've got a, a heart issue, you go to a cardiologist. But these people, although I'd like to think that they're trained more generally before specialising, they they don't seem to link anything together. You know, I mean, I remember going to my dermatologist and asking her. So I've been reading, you know, before I started doing the whole herbal medicine thing. Do you think um, that maybe it's something to do with digestion, with my gut? Because I've got I had IBS back then. No, I don't, uh, and all this kind of stuff. Oh, love! It's just your genes. And then she went on saying, "Yeah, we're really having difficulty treating your psoriasis," and, and basically said, "Oh, well, we're going to inject you with methotrexate, which is a cancer or leukemia drug, which is also used for people who have liver transplants." That's when I laughed at her and walked out. <laughs> so, never went back to her. Oh my god! And. Um, when in fact all, all I needed to do was fix my digestion, um, eat much better, change my lifestyle in different ways and also relax, de-stress, yeah, yeah absolutely, um, leave that job, um, you know, because you know, they said that, that a lot of illnesses as well are diseases of the spirit and it's very true, we even see that in clinic, you know, there's physical manifestations that come from maybe deep-seated, um, uh, deep-seated trauma from life. Yeah. Um, and maybe even from from the mother or the grandmother, you know, because you're in in the room, you're already uh, you're already kind kind of there, you know. You've got this DNA, this information that's flowing through. And have so you been reading a lot of Gabor Mate as well? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. No, no, but I should be probably. Yeah, that's, what, that's what he does. No, it's mm-hmm. no, it's true. Like it's it's uh, it's. I do believe that trauma and stress. It's a modern day lifestyle. We we're not meant to be living the way we're living. I mean, we're not. I mean, we evolve, of course we do, but we look how how many millions of years took us to evolve into, you know, what what we are now. Yeah. So how are we supposed to catch up in uh, a several decades or even, let's say, a couple of hundreds of years mm. in, you know, with our digestion and our, our way of thinking into the way we live now, surrounded by technology, living pretty much glued to our phones from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, um, not sleeping enough, you know, constantly busy. There are people who work 80, 90 hour weeks. This is not how we're meant to live. I mean... No, no, it's definitely not. Um, and it's, it's something I really realised, you know, and, and that's that's how, how I'm trying to approach myself to, to the life of a human even a hundred years ago has actually improved my health drastically you know foraging spending time in nature um not working as much you know i'm 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 high i'm I'm a highly active person and in fact i i realize that being in that position of health allows me to do the things i want to do more efficiently whereas if i did a nine to five well what i was doing was nine to five five to six days a week in a box that didn't even have a window I mean, how how can you how how can you be healthy with that? You know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did similar thing for years, and I don't I don't know how I. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I enjoyed the process of the creative process. I really enjoy, and sometimes I miss 
being in, in, in the cutting room and being a part of a creative process. Uh, but at what cost, you know, at what cost? It's a whole it? now and now and, and here now and actually I need this done yesterday. Yeah. That's yeah. what this society is, is, is rolling on. If you know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's and everybody's trying to get more things done in less time yeah. and get less people on a team, less people on a crew mm-hmm. um, to do more work. Yeah. Do you know, everybody's trying to create cheaper projects with more value. I mean, that just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the that's the TV advertising media business for you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you, you are just right. <laughs> you know, herbal medicine is much better. <laughs> but um, herbal medicine is actually quite a complex field. Um, it's not just one aspect. I mean, you already mentioned it's pretty much gardener, doctor and a chef in one. Um, is there any particular aspect of herbal medicine that interests you more than other aspects and why? Um, so me, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of different types of wonderful herbalists and diff- with different preferences to different modalities within herbal medicine and, and you know, uh, or alongside. Uh, the thing that I connect with the most in terms of herbal medicine is the wild crafting aspects of it. So wild crafting meaning you're going out in the wild and you're crafting medicine or food or even things. It doesn't need to be just medicine. It could be clothes. It could be string. could be whatever. So wild crafting for me um, is of high importance. It's something I connect with. Um, it's something that makes me happy because it, it, it means that I'm never... I'm never going a walk on a walk without having a purpose. I'm going on a walk and I will always find a plant friend to gather, to pick or to taste. Um, and there's always a reason for me to be out there uh, to do something like that. Um, and then another important aspect of the wildcrafting side for me is not only do I have a direct connection with a plant, I do uh, personally believe everything in a way has a spirit and we can connect to things. Um, so I would sit down with the plant and meditate with it, um, smell it, taste it, look at it, try to try to think um, about what different ways I can use it. Um, you know, of course, the, the World Health Organization, when they went to, I think it was about 85% of the tribes or 90% of the tribes they asked, where did you get your, your knowledge from? They said, the plants told us, you know. <laughs> so that connection, that deep connection that, that, that humans or even animals can have with plants um, to me is important um, and so this all kind of goes into this whole wild crafting aspect of things and then finally the transfer of that knowledge because wild crafting if I show you what a dandelion looks like and that you can eat the dandelion leaf and tell you that you can eat the dandelion leaf in spring and that in autumn you can take the root and roast it and make a coffee out of it and show you how to do it then you'll remember how to do that and you'll be able to then have the same experience as me go out and walk and you'll now know that plant like you know your, your, you know your your brothers or your friends or your family. You'll actually know that plant, and it'll be familiar, and you'll be happy every time you see it, and you'll be able to, be able to gather it and do something with it. And that to me is very important as well. Um, that that transfer of knowledge, um, which which has been lost, um, um, just through years and years and years of of 
that various uh, uh, various things. You know, you, you had the Spanish Inquisition, for example, killing all the midwives, um, calling them witches, and you know, and then replacing them with the, the 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 monasteries that had all these hospitals. You know, in fact, the Celts were the first to have hospitals. It wasn't the, the it wasn't the, uh, the 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 Christian Church. It was the Celts who actually had the hospitals. In fact, the Romans, when they went around. If there was any sick, they'd be left behind. Whereas the Celts would have had places and areas where they would bring their 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 sick and dying, or their their people who had the uh, wounds, and they would they would treat them. And that would that's essentially the hosp- a hospital, you know, um, which I find incredible. And we've we've got that essence here. We've got this uh, this uh, this magic, you know, lands of saints and scholars. Sure. Is that where the where the Celtic fox came from? <laughs> In a way, how yeah. How did that come about? So I've I've had um, I've always had this this deep connection with the fox, and and I did. Uh, uh, it, it was with um, with a guy I know. Um, we I'd done a vision quest, um, a vision quest, which is where you you kind of uh, I suppose you you kind of go into a deep meditation while you're awake, and and you kind of. You can go out in the forest and while there's several ways of doing that uh, to see uh, find my spirit uh, animal or a spirit guide um, and throughout my lo- my life the fox kept coming up you know either I'd walk go for a walk and he would show up and he'd just be there um, um, and and different things you know I'd be driving on a long drive and you know I'd see th- about three foxes who'd run right in front of my my car but three times you know with loads of times so I'm quite an intuitive person, um, so I like to see connection a lot of things. And in fact, it's got me to where I am now, so I, I think I'm doing something right in that way. So yeah, the fox for me, I've, I feel that it's it's uh, it's an animal I connect with. Um, also for its uh, its traits, it's I like I like finding ways to get around things and get to things maybe a little faster than other ways. And you know, uh, the cunning the cunning fox. Um, yeah, and then the the whole Celtic side uh, being, um, you know, my ancestry being the fact I come from here, um, and I have that. Uh, also have you know, yeah, I've got Scottish blood, I've got Irish blood. It's it's all it's in me, you know. And I also was uh, I grew up in the in the in the Gaul, in the, in in France, or so the old Gaulish. Uh, uh, well, it used to be called Gaul, obviously, and it was it's a huge Celtic place, and there was still little. Um, coves and old Druidic areas uh, where I used to play and as a kid you know um, like very mysterious and wonderful looking places with lots of moss and strange trees so I have that connection with with the Celts and the fox so Celtic fox herbal (laughs) that's pretty cool (laughs) that's really nice you didn't have to even brainstorm very much to come up with that I I suppose it just comes naturally to you yeah 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 um so you, you obviously um, to to craft your wild produce. You obviously spent a lot of time out in nature foraging. Um, how is Ireland doing, Northern and uh, Northern Ireland? How, how how is the nature around here doing when it comes to wild crafting? Is there abundance of herbs and and plants that you can play with? So there's 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 actually an incredible amount of stuff. That we can, because uh, you can harvest and pick over here. Unfortunately, and still, to this day, there's 
construction companies and all sorts of things not really batting an eyelid when it comes to flattening a forest like they've just recently built more stuff in Bangor and just there's this beautiful old oldish forest with lots of things in it and basically it's, it's only 10% of it's left and they've built all these big fancy turnkey houses and it's that saddens me because that's a whole ecosystem it's lost um, but there's low there is still especially along the coast there's still loads of things you can forage um, and if you find places that are not sprayed like the Helens Bay Organic Farm for example which I'm so grateful for because anything I pick there I know doesn't have any uh, runoffs or pesticides or insecticides which is a major problem you know um, so I mean yes there's an abundance of stuff um, maybe not quite so much as there could be uh, because of a lot of the deforestation and unless we preserve it it's going to get worse and worse and worse um, but the biggest concern for me is is actually the spraying um, not only is it bad for obviously our health when health when we're running about and people are spraying stuff I, I often see these guys um, I, I saw them in Newton Ards and all that and I even asked the guy do you know what you're spraying with and the guy was, was clueless he didn't even know what he was spraying but he was driving around in a quad with his little spray thing spraying it all over the streets and all over the side of the roads and stuff so of course if you see that you can't forage you don't want to be eating any stuff or especially if it's for medicine you don't want to be making any medicine with that kind of with that kind of carrying on and most of the time it's glyphosates so it's you know it's um, roundup you know um, and so that's that would be the key issue you know now there's loads of people who are realizing that this is not good for health there's um, even farmers who are realizing this um, uh, you know like like John he's been in it for for a long long time um, but um, uh, there's qu quite a few other people who have that regeneration idea in mind um, you know um, you know I, I suppose I, I'm, I'm quite critical of people with their perfect lawns because that's a status thing <coughs> sorry it's a status thing it comes from the Victorian era because they wanted to show how rich they were because they could have this lovely perfect lawn that didn't have any productivity on it oh look at all the land I've got I don't need to grow cabbages and all this stuff because I've got so much land that I can just grow this lush greenery of nothingness. And, <laughs> and that translates to everybody with their houses and their kings and queens of our little castles and we've got our lush green grass. <laughs> and yeah, for me, it's dead. There's nothing there. you know. And then when you add Roundup, it's even worse. You don't have the mycelium. You don't have the insects, the pollinators. you know. And for what? To have a display... Uh, uh, you know, you might as well get a plastic tree and just put that in. And people actually are doing that now too. You Don't know? even start. <laughs> like, we've been looking for a house now for over a year. Mm -hmm. And whenever we go and see a house and I see the fake lawn, the oh, fake grass, oh, it's just, oh my God, oh. why? Oh, why? Honestly. It's so bad. Just because people can't be bothered to cut the grass. I mean, well, why do you bother getting a house with the land mm -hmm. if you can't be bothered cutting grass? Mm -hmm. Like, well, mm -hmm. well, why? Mm. No, it, it it beats me, but but that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying I'm trying not to judge people. I yeah. really don't want to judge people, but mm -hmm. I just that's one thing I do not understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have millions of reasons for doing that. I will not understand it ever. 
<laughs> no, 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 it's not. Doesn't make much sense to me, especially as a as a wild crafter. <laughs> it's, it's just... Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Um, but you obviously you were foraging actually this morning before. Yes. I, yeah, <laughs> I was. I, I was indeed. So yeah. What, what did What did you bring today? So I I went out and got some. Um, well, it's it's near the end of the elderberry season, so I got uh, um, a few elderberries. Um, it was a it was a lovely wee walk and got soaking wet, which is why I was completely so- I had to change when I, when I came in here. Um, and then I got some wo- um, uh, sheep sorrel. What is sheep sorrel? Sheep sorrel. So sheep sorrel is uh, from the, the, the dock family plant. So you know a dock, the big docks. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So sheep sorrel is a slightly smaller, smoother kind of uh, version of the dock or same family, okay. and it's, it has this nice citrus taste to it. Okay. So you can cook it with potatoes, or you can just juice it up or make it. Uh, you know put it into a salad and stuff so I got some of that and and at this time of the year there the sometimes is a second regrowth and I was lucky because I was just having a wee walk trying to find the elderberries and there was this, this huge plants with loads and loads of these delicious green leaves so I just I just had to gather them and that's going to be my lunch <laughs> Oh, that reminds me this is uh, you'd be proud of me uh, we were visiting um Steve's parents and they have a wonderful garden. They they maximize. They don't have a huge garden, but they really maximize the space they have with the amount of stuff they grow. And if they can't grow it in the ground, they grow loads of things in pots. But I just took a walk one day around the garden and it was just about dinner time. And I noticed there were nasturtiums in the garden and uh, Steve's mom grows absolutely beautiful spearmint. So I picked some nasturtium leaves, I picked some spearmint and then I noticed uh, she had just baby dandelion leaves coming up in her lawn. So I just picked some baby dandelion leaves, I brought it in and she was just looking at me completely puzzled when I started rinsing it and chopping it into a bowl. She was just looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm just making salad yeah. it's just like it's just like weeds you picked from the garden <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> not yes. weeds my dear not mm-hmm. weeds <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah no that's great and that that's that's precisely what i i would love to see people start doing you know if people realize the value of the weeds um that that, that are growing in on on their lawns and stop spraying um, and and reconvert from their plastic lawn to actually soil and allow things to grow there. They would realize how much can actually grow in a small patch that you can actually use year round. You know, um, I mean edibles. I mean foraging. Um, th- there's there are certain plants that are abundant, and that's the ones I like people to encourage people to use. Um, and these are things that will grow as weeds in your garden. You've got your chickweeds, your dandelions, your nettles. Um, and, and for so many years, these were staple foods, you know. In fact, like one of the oldest um, porridge recipes in Ireland uh, that, the, that, that the ancestors would have done was uh, oats and nettles. Like basically nettle porridge. That's what they would have eaten as a, as a, as a delicious food, you know. Um, and, and and that's yeah that's that's something that, that would be really nice to see happening again where people allow their gardens to go a little bit wild um and and regenerate and they start actually seeing all the insects and pollinators and butterflies coming back things that my grandpa says he used to see all the time and now um he barely sees any around his garden because everybody's so busy spraying things and putting plastic lawns <laughs> you know? yeah. like I, I i do judge these people 
in a certain way and I probably shouldn't because I know that a lot of people don't maybe know or don't understand these things so I always try to pull myself back on it but I do know there's people who do know this but and don't do act it anyway. on it yeah. and that's, that's, that is disturbing to me I suppose you know, as, especially as someone who uh, you know, I feel I, 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 with my connection with nature I feel it's my duty to be able to stand with nature and be protective of it because of how fast our ability as humans to destroy our environment is um, and and that there has to be people standing there in the way of you know a bulldozer at the odd time or the you know if it's like an ancient old tree or forest um, you know it's 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 just very sad to see these places go and these ecosystems and animals but go. you know people are naturally curious and I think we can teach people by example mm-hmm. and um, I mean I've just by simple things like making salad from you know whatever the grows weeds, in the like, garden yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. like I, I think I, I actually asked mm-hmm. Steve's mom to you know just not to pull the mm-hmm. dandelions just keep them and mm-hmm. she can use it as food and now she knows she can eat the nasturtium leaves and put them in That's her salad um, it's and raised it's eyebrows isn't it you want to see raised eyebrows and people, <laughs> I can eat that really yeah, what yeah and and then you know sometimes we when we go for we do a lot of hiking and walking mm-hmm. around and <laughs> I always uh, Steve's he he doesn't even blink anymore but I always pack rubber gloves with me and um, little boxes in case we find something to forage for mm-hmm. and one of our latest walks we just went you know through um, from Cuttersworth through to like Shaw's Bridge and up to the Beaver Forest Park mm-hmm. and there were like really tall nettles with really beautiful actually we did it the latest one was actually we went up cave hill we did a cave hill walk mm-hmm. and i just saw these really tall nettles with these beautiful seeds and i always go for the tall ones because i know that dogs won't pee on them because <laughs> <laughs> they're not that tall <laughs> so when there is a really like bush of tall nettles mm-hmm. with really beautiful seeds so i came back home with like full box of nettle seeds oh, to, to dehydrate and store so That's I can brilliant. sprinkle it on my salads and put oh. in my smoothies and and then you see people like walking by and looking at you what the hell are you doing and then mm-hmm. sometimes people ask you you know what mm-hmm. are you doing and you mm. explain it and go like ah we can actually eat that yeah. do you know and it's it's great to be able to inspire yes. and, and teach others because people are naturally curious they are going to ask they are Absolutely. going to wonder yeah and, and I'm seeing this more and more, especially in light of the current situation in the world. There's a lot more people who maybe had more time in their hands, who are maybe walking out in nature, um, and actually maybe for the first time noticing some plants that they've never noticed before. Um, and that gives me a lot of pleasure. Now, in saying that, that's where I do um, have this, this, this um, strong will to, to, to introduce people in the correct way, because... Um, there has been some other uh, foragers I know, spe- specifically in England, um, who said that some of their habitats have been quite badly damaged by people over harvesting and not sustainably doing that. So there is that aspect of it as well. You know, you're getting eager, you're like, oh, that's cool, and then you go over and you don't actually know anything about how to actually do it, and that if you te- pick up all the bulbs of of uh, wild garlic the next year, well, they're not going to be 
growing back because they'll not be there anymore. It's not just going to appear out of nowhere. You're not actually allowed to here. I don't know in it's other illegal. parts of UK, but it is. It is illegal. It, you can if it's in hedgerow somewhere that is not part of national trust. But if you are in a forest or a park that's a part of National Trust, or it's private. you can pick the leaves, mm -hmm. but you cannot take the bulbs. It Absolutely. is illegal. Absolutely. The, uh, and on private land as well. You can only with the permission of the owner or of National, National Trust in those cases. Um, and that it is. It's, it's really important because that, that, again, can destroy habitat. But it's not just that. I mean, you can pick all the leaves off wild garlic not even the bulbs you can take all the leaves of wild garlic the next year you'll not have even half as many because i mean a lot if, if you think of it the leaves are what's bringing the energy down into the bulbs if all of all the bulbs in one habitat aren't able to survive the winter because they haven't drawn enough energy through summer then you're, you're already going to destroy that as well so you know that's why there are little tips and rules and um, and and concepts that that, that I suppose uh, new foragers need to understand and respect in order to actually get to, um, um, you know, uh, you know it's even advised to actually observe just simply walk and observe an area for one year before you start actually doing any type of foraging, you know, because what animals are there, what insects are there, what plants are growing, are they growing the same way every year? Is there, are there abundance of them or is it just a tiny little patch which you don't want to touch in that case, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's important. But, uh, you know, people are going to get there. I think, I think people are able to, to do that, you know? You just need a lot of regeneration, especially in, in, in Northern Ireland. Um, there the really needs to be a lot more landowners willing to uh, stop with the pesticides, start... Uh, bring in more trees and allowing things to actually get a bit wild to rewild basically their land you know um, and maybe allow people to come in for foraging walks or mm -hmm. you know just even just to learn mm -hmm. um, which is great because there's a lot of private land that's sitting there doing nothing absolutely and that's that's sometimes the best places for foraging yeah. often is actually often is because nothing is happening there so <laughs> And wild food is um, so. Wild food is, I believe, actually a step up from organic, mm. isn't it? Because it's it's just so completely natural. It's eating mm -hmm. a. It forces you to eat what's seasonal, mm -hmm. which is what you get more nutritional value from. Obviously, yeah. if yeah. you if you eat um, in tune with nature, and that's obviously what's going to feed your. Uh, digestive system mm -hmm. um, optimize your microbiome and that's actually a big um, big thing in, in health in re recent mm -hmm. years we've been talking loads about the microbiome and now mm. even the medicine recognizes that mm -hmm. microbiome is incredibly important in terms of um, mental health mm -hmm. in terms of the immune system um, in terms of loads of autoimmune diseases um, so we need to look after it so eating wild foods or at least incorporating some mm. wild foods into our diet is incredibly important Absolutely. but I wonder as, as a um, now I believe you're, you're, you're going to be a, a, a herbal medicine practitioner mm -hmm. yep. very soon and you're probably going to have students clinics or have you already had student clinic? Oh we've been doing them for the past two or three years oh really uh, i'm done in in june here so this is our last our last little jaunt and then we'll we'll be ready to 
be released. <laughs> but I, I wonder, if it, when you see patients coming to herbal medicine clinic, how many of them come with digestive issues or how many of them come <laughs> with, you know, problems that actually a lot of them could be solved by looking after the microbiome a little bit more, bringing more variety, bringing more wild foods. I mean, do you see a lot of um, gut health issues in the clinic? Tremendously, tremendously. Like, in fact, is, isn't it Hippocrates? I think it's Hippocrates, and I'm sure you've heard of this before, that disease begins in the gut, right? Um, there's so much, so much truth in that. Um, if you think of our gut as being the portal... so. We're, we're big donuts, really, right? Your mouth <laughs> and the, your bottom parts are actually exposed to the outside. So your gut, what it's doing is bringing things from the outside in into your body. So it's literally the portal of anything that's going in there. So if you eat a McDonald's, for example, <laughs> yeah, that's going to go in into you. And, you know, the whole you are what you eat, eat is so true, you know? So um, this stems, this goes right back to our friend Pasteur, who basically discovered bacteria and said, oh, those are the things that cause disease. And so everybody got obsessed with the whole idea of getting rid of bacteria, you know, uh, which is why you get all these products. It kills 99.9% of bacteria. <laughs> Although what people don't realize is if you clean a table surface with that stuff, um, um, it's like deforesting an entire forest, except the most resilient uh, um uh, invasive species and so then the next day you get the worst the um, the pathogenic bacteria growing on your tabletop so it's actually that's why they say sometimes can be often dirtier than your toilet uh, seat um, on your tabletop because of using this these products you know so what does that mean it means it's about balance in that case so What's the solution for the 99.9% uh, bacteria thing? Well, it's to encourage commensal bacteria. Commensal bacteria meaning the, the, um, uh, the good bacteria, okay? And so we'd use apple cider vinegar or maybe lemon, uh, which we know works really, really well. And it's uh, an antimicrobial and, you know, um, you can even use calendula as an antifungal, make a strong brew, wash your tabletops with that, right? So it's the same thing with your gut. You know, if you're eating things, if you're taking a, a antibiotics, for example, it, it, you know, one course of antibiotics will kill major, major colonies of your healthy gut bacteria or your good gut bacteria. And really, there's no such thing as good or bad bacteria either, because it's all about this balance, this idea of balance, you know. Um, you know, it's little, not many people know that Helicobacter pylori, which gives you really bad kind of stomach issues and infection well it always and it's supposed to live at the top of your stomach but okay. if you take too much antacids and your stomach acidity is low then it gives the perfect moment for these bacteria to come out and grow and move into your valve and then it destroys your the valve that goes into your stomach and so then you get even more acid reflux so there's all these little things that we don't really think about you know <clears throat> same thing with candida candida actually produces serotonin so we all need a certain amount of candida um, in our bodies in the balance in a balanced ecosystem so that you can actually you know um, so, so, so you can actually maybe have a bit more of the happier happy chemicals and whatnot but then that's where the problem is if there's an imbalance that occurs so 
whether it's diet, um, a lot of foods with preservatives or a lot of what I call cardboard foods, for example, have zero nutrition, no fibers, or nothing that's really gonna feed the actual bacteria. Then it's going to, you're going to start having these unbalances, and so you're going to, you know, and then um, an unbalance, an imbalance is where uh, a lot of the health problems start occurring, and it's not not well known that um, you know we have uh, the gut brain really. The, the, there's there's basically this huge knot of neurons that's that's wired into your guts and in fact there's there's uh, studies happening as we speak right now where there's scientists trying to link um what what certain bacteria do in the gut and how it affects even our minds and our bodies and how it works you know there's bacteria that'll make you feel happy there's bacteria that'll you know so that the, when you talk about gut feeling it's very very true it's actually possibly our bacteria that's like that's trying to tell us something when you think that we are more bacteria fungi and protozoa than actual human cells then you know are we actually the vessels for them you know are we are we more you know to carry them around or or are they to help us you know it's, it's a symbiotic relationship so it's it's if you don't have um that relationship with them that relationship with your gut with your food um, then you're going to start having all these problems. It's not until I started working on my gut that my skin um, started getting better, you know. Um, and it, it, so, yeah, the gut is an incredible and a really, really important thing to deal with, you know. Um, and it's unfortunate that we aren't taught this in school. Um, I suppose it's starting to be a bit more understood now or starting to go bit more mainstream but for me it should be number one i mean in terms of immunity it, it it should be the first thing that's out there you know when i read on the bbc and whatnot number one ten things not to use for and uh, that won't help you find you out and had garlic and i was like but that's ridiculous because garlic is you know garlic you know don't discourage people to eat it it's a food it's and it's super healthy and we have numerous studies saying how it's an antiviral um, you know, obviously, don't take huge amounts because if you, you know, you know, little moderation and moderation. But we need to open this discussion, this discussion about gut health and about how it's going to affect every single aspect of your, of your, um, of your life and of your health. So, how does herbal medicine? When you have somebody coming into clinic and it transpires that that person has gut issues, and um, so. It, it's not if it's something that could be quite severe maybe um just a simple dietary adjustments might not uh, be um quick enough to help is is there anything that herbal medicine can do or are there any herbs that um you can actually um use to, to kind of kickstart the healing process and uh, rebalancing of the gut bacteria yeah yeah no absolutely um i mean i'd nearly go to say that that herbal medicine is 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 specifically good for that um um herbal medicine comes in really handy for chronic diseases which a lot of gps maybe can't um um or don't have the tools to um to treat without you know using or getting people addicted or having to chronically use certain uh, certain drugs whereas if you're able to fix and push the, the tilt 
So, so if you think of, of our bodies having this balance, so we've got incredible machines of bodies and it's, it's got a certain balance, but if it goes off tilt, then something else is trying to compensate. Um, now where herbs come in, is they're able to just gently push that, that imbalance back into where it goes to, you know, with, with the right help, help and the right lifestyle. So in terms of herbal medicine, where we bring in the lifestyle changes and we encourage people to slowly make the changes that will help them maintain that balance, we can give them herbs that will um, will also improve those functions. So you've got a vast, vast um, um, array of herbs and to be honest, pretty much all herbs have a gut effect to a certain degree. You know, you've got the astringents, which tighten your cell junctions, um, for example, if 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 you if you're um, if you um, if you've got leaky gut, for example, you'll want to have tannins that'll tighten those junctions. You've got other herbs that actually relax your gut. Um, other herbs that stimulate motility. Um, you've got obviously your laxatives, your uh, um, and then the tannins do the opposite. Um, and also you've got the emulsants, for example, which would be your, um, well, slippery elm. I don't like the idea of slippery elm because it's not local sustainable, but maybe a marshmallow root, for example. And this, this actually has uh, uh, plant sugars, which create a coating on your uh, epithelium, on your on the, the walls of and the lining of your stomach, and actually gives a protection. So if people have stomach ulcers, it actually adds that little coating of protection that, that soothes it and maybe also removes uh, um, pain and stuff so there's a lot there's a lot that can be done using herbs um, and even food because foods can like vegetables can be herbs considered herbs too you know like a, like the garlic I was mentioning you know no, this is um, yeah the, no this is this is definitely a big area to to explore and there is certainly a lot of misconceptions and misunderstanding when it comes to um, rebalancing a gut. I think um, and I think lack of sort of wider open public education is maybe to blame for a lot of people's gut issues and and we talked about it before and before we started recording um, but there's like a um, like fermented foods are gaining on popularity over the past few years because of you know rebalancing gut flora and introduced and fermented foods are amazing I think it's a great medicine I mean fermented foods definitely save me a lot of money on probiotic capsules which I don't think are as effective although they can be but it depends but um, it's very easy to misunderstand how fermented foods work and how to implement them as mm. medicine. Um, it's one thing to enjoy a spoonful of sauerkraut with your meal because you want something nice and crispy with mm. your salad. And it's another to um, kind of frantically try to fix your gut issues by taking lots and lots of gut bacteria, good good bacteria, thinking the more the better. And it's mm. actually not often time the case. And mm-hmm. I, I told you before, I caused myself SIBO for a very long time and I couldn't get rid of it because I was, for a couple of years, I was drinking like cups of you know two cups of um, uh, kefir a day and Mm. I would be eating like I could sit and eat a whole jar of sauerkraut Mm. in one sitting (laughs) no problem because it is tasty and I thought I was doing myself uh, you know a favor feeding my gut the good bacteria but actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) actually a little goes a long way and you can overdo it i think overeating and over drinking fermenting foods and drinks was definitely 
a big issue for me for a few years. Yeah. Um, and avoiding things like completely avoiding anything that has any amount of even natural sugar. I've been doing that for years until mm. it's been pointed out to me that actually <laughs> you might not be doing yourself any favors mm. there. Mm. Yeah. So uh, like, can you talk about some of these misconceptions and what's what's actually the reality and what's what we've been maybe misled to believe? Okay, well, the, the, the best thing, the best first thing I'd like to say is, is actually uh, from, from Keith the Herbalist on the island. And he always said this, and it makes a lot of sense. He says, moderation and moderation. Okay? Um, we do tend to, especially in, in, in the current uh, era and society, we tend to overdo things. You know, it's like, you know, quick fix, a lot of one thing. You know, you go to the doctor, um, you're given these pills. It's like, oh, well, if one paracetamol doesn't work, take two. Um, it, it doesn't work like that with herbs. It doesn't work like that with fermented foods. Um, little goes far and your body responds and your bacteria respond to that. Uh, your, your gut flora, sorry. I shouldn't say bacteria because you've got yeasts and you've got viruses called bacteri bacteriophages, which also like balance the bacteria out and they all live in your stomach. Um, uh, and they're healthy. So, with regard to fermented foods, um, like I see, I see, you know, bottles and bottles and bottles of 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 kombucha, for example, being sold in like two hundred and fifty mils. Um, based on the studies, really, you should you shouldn't be drinking more than half that bottle per day, because if you if you drunk if you drunk two hundred and fifty mils every day, just just like your experience with the kefir, you're going to create an imbalance. You know, it's like. Again, it's like going into a forest and deciding, okay, I'm going to plant wild garlic and just keep planting it every single day. And in about three years' time, there's not going to be any other plants other than wild garlic. So you kill the entire habitat, you know? Um, and then from that on, all these different chain reactions ensues. You know, you lose, you, lose, you know, uh, the biodiversity, blah, blah, blah. So same thing happens in your gut. Imagine your gut as a forest. That's, that's the best way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, fermented foods, um, it, 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 it little goes far. Like I would say a tablespoon, two tablespoons of sauerkraut, um, you know, same thing with your, your, your kombucha. That's, that's enough, really, you know. Um, you don't need to make jars and jars and jars. You can just make, have the one jar and then take, take a little bit every day. Um, and uh, what else was it you were asking about? Um, yeah, I was talking also about the the sugars. Like, I, the sugars, do you know, yes. I I mean, I've, I've I I still do believe that adding sugar and and sugar is especially in processed foods and, mm -hmm. and syn synthetic stuff and artificial sweeteners. Oh my oh, god, gosh. don't get me started. No. Um, I don't believe it's something we should regularly include no. in our diet. But I'm starting to come around the idea that maybe even though with somebody like me who has a quite a colorful history of mm -hmm. digestive issues, IBD, IBS, mm -hmm. um, yeast overgrowth, um, and I've been avoiding pretty much anything that contains sugar, like most fruits mm -hmm. as well. You know, I've been avoiding it like a plague for mm. over well over 15 years. And I wouldn't even touch things like any of these maple syrups, agave syrups, mm. honey, even raw honey is just something, it's a, even yeah. though I know of the antiviral, antimicrobial benefits yeah. of it, it's just too high GI, too much sugar, no, I'm not touching it. But recently I've been kind of 
a I've read quite a few few papers and also um I've been looking into um, the FODMAPs um uh, mm-hmm. when I started um addressing my SIBO issues and um to my big surprise there are things on the low FODMAP um spectrum that actually do allow a little bit of some of the fruits that mm-hmm. I've been avoiding as long as you keep the portions small mm-hmm. which forces you to keep your um menu varied mm-hmm. but make sure that in- you include the important stuff that your body needs yeah. even though there are some sugars in it mm-hmm. but if you keep it varied then obviously you should be addressing the and keep the sugar on the low but i've been avoiding things like you know i wouldn't eat pears i wouldn't eat apples i wouldn't eat pretty much any fruit apart from really low sugar berries yeah i i've been just really religiously avoiding all these things and then then i got this app from university of monash that i downloaded that tells you as they expand and as the research goes on they mm-hmm. would put more and more foods with um different numbers of portions or how big of a portion is low FODMAP how big oh, portion okay, is yes, actually yeah. me- moderate FODMAP some of these foods are really surprising to me like mm-hmm. the fact that there is actually a little bit of honey is low FODMAP and then um, I mean not everybody reacts to the FODMAPs I know I do with, mm-hmm. with years of experience I've come to observe that that actually is my problem mm-hmm. but I would never have thought that a little bit of honey might be okay or that couple of grapes actually might be yeah. okay or that handful of strawberries is not going to kill yeah, me yeah. you know and i've been kind of thinking that maybe <laughs> completely avoiding all these foods that naturally contain sugar mm-hmm. be it a lot of it and um, it might not be a good idea to just completely dismiss them and just cross mm-hmm. them out of our, out of your menu would would that be all right yeah, I mean, if you if you look at um, if you even look at um, uh, people in the past, like the ancestors, they didn't have. So you're right, they didn't have the high amounts of sugars. I mean, they didn't have the sugar beet and and process it and make the white sugar we've got. That's pretty much in everything. It's processed everything, everything. Name it. Even things that are savory have sugar in it. And we're lucky. We have the from sugar cane and you know sugar yeah. from beets like yeah. in america it's mainly high fructose corn syrup exactly that's <laughs> even, even oh, worse even worse <laughs> even worse yeah oh gosh but um um if, if you think about like what like what you were saying you know berries so before berry like strawberries got cultivated into the big lush ones we see now which is actually a hybrid of, of even um of, of different strawberry varieties uh they, the ones we have now were bred into being big and all that but they end up not being sweet so then they cross them because they lost their genetic value so they cross them with the white strawberries from south america to make these lush big tasty sweet strawberries but if you think of our native strawberries and the fact they're tiny they're tiny tiny and when you find one it's like oh wow and you eat one and either they can be a wee bit sour or super sweet and it's just a tiny tiny little amount and you've just had that Loss of nutrition and a little bit of sugars, fiber, that's all, even that little amount's gonna feed your gut bacteria and give you a little bit of satisfaction for having that sweet bit of sweetness. You know, in the past, they didn't have the same amount of sugars. So little goes far again. You know, a handful, a small handful of grapes, a bit of sugar, all these things are, 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 um, they are important because the fibers that are in the in the in the, the, the fruits um, and even vegetables 
um, are going to actually be there to feed um, a lot of the bacteria. So, you know, if you're eating, again, beige food, you know, your breads, your your cornflakes, your, you know, all these things, which don't have any, maybe don't have as much of the plant chemicals and the chem and all the thing, little things that, um, again, link to your guts, you know, want to feed your gut bacteria uh, or your microbiota, uh, um, you, you, you will call these, cause these imbalances. Now, removing sugar completely can also have its, uh, have its issues too, because for, for example, and this is not well known, candida, and I mentioned this before, candida, for example, it's very intelligent. It's a, it's a fungi, right? And fungi are intelligent. So if, if, it, if it's imbalanced and the bacteria and the other flora in the gut is not able to fight and counteract the imbalance of the candida, so it's the most powerful entity in there, and you deprive it from the sugar, it's gonna then say, well, I need to go elsewhere in the body to find the sugar, so where am I gonna go? So it starts traveling through the body and, and, and the, the, the leaky gut that you'd say, oh, well, if I stop the sugar, it'll stop. It'll, it, it could actually potentially get worse because if, if that intelligent entity decides to go further into the body, you could end up with systemic can, can, uh, candida. Systemic being it's, it's inside your entire body. Um, and that can cause more and more health concerns. And, and that can be linked to completely depriving yourself from all sugars. Because your gut bacteria, your, your, your flora can't balance itself out. And then the candida goes crazy and goes on a wild hunt for sugar somewhere else in the body because it can't find it in the gut anymore. Um, and that's one example of, of many. I mean, it's so complex in there. So again, the whole idea of moderation, moderation. So yeah, just a few berries now and then. It's not going to do any harm, you know. A little, a, a, you know, a half a teaspoon, teaspoon max of, 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 of honey on, on something here and there. I, I don't see that as being an issue, especially with the antifungal and antimicrobial um, uh, properties in it it will have an effect in your gut and will help to balance certain things out. And what's interesting is when we say antimicrobial, when we say antibacterial or antifungal, most of the time it's actually going to fight the pathogenic ones or maybe lower, uh, you know, it's going to obviously um, reach the biggest and largest populations so it will naturally balance down whatever's imbalanced in there. Um, and then another thing it's, that's not, uh, not much mentioned about are the essential sugars that we should have you know um i'm i can't remember off of my head all the names you know but you know you've got manos you've got galactose you've got all these different things that you know there's there's a sugar that's nearly only found in mushrooms there's a uh, that we need there's uh, a sugar that's nearly only found in um seaweed uh, fucose for example which which if you don't eat seaweed at all in your diet, you're never gonna get, but it actually has a function and it, it is or was considered one of the eight essential glyconutrients, glyco meaning sugars, you know? And they're not sugars in the same idea as, oh, it tastes sweet, but it's the structure, the molecular structure of it. And these are incredibly important. And your fruits and your vegetables, your fruits which are sweet, they have a variety of these as well. And same thing with the mushrooms, you know, uh, the mushrooms, the, the husk of the mushrooms, the, the cell walls have these things called beta-glucans, beta, beta glucans, 
Um, and they break down when you boil them for a long time. And if you drink it, that's, that's why you'll do a decoction or something for several hours uh, with a mushroom. Um, and if you drink that, your body is able to take that in, draw that in and make use of those sugars, which are otherwise n never ingested. If you eat, you know, um, uh, I suppose manufactured foods, you know, because they're not, it's not going to have any of that, but that pure sugar. You just gave me an idea. So in theory, if I can't eat mushrooms, because I actually do react to mushrooms, it's mm -hmm. probably linked to my FODMAP triggers. Mm -hmm. I should be able to make an extract from a mushroom during that without eating that mushroom. You and could, I might yeah. not react to it. You could you could definitely try it. You could definitely try it. So I've got the Aganoderma planatum that I showing, was showing you there, yeah. uh, which is an artist bracket. Ganoderma is actually the reishi species. So this is more or less our one of our native reishis, if you want. And and so what, what I'm going to do is I've got a little piece sitting here and I'm going to, I'm going to put it in uh, water and I'm going to boil it for probably about 12 hours, okay? Or, or heat it up in a, in a crock pot. This will break down the cell walls and I'll, get, I'll be able to get the, the liquid extract from it and I'll be able to drink this. And that will, the boiling down is specific for the, um, for the sugars that are found in the plant. Uh, in the in the fungi in this case, um, and what's interesting as well is 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 these specific sugars that are in the mushrooms. Now, if you look at the cell in your body, cells should have these little hair-like structures, right? So yeah, I'm a it's cool. I'm a I'm a I'm a hairy dude. So if I go about in a forest and there's little flies and midges trying to go in, they have a hard time reaching my skin because they go in and it's like, oh goodness me, there's there's hairs here. I need to make my way down. <laughs> Well, it's exactly the same thing with your cells. Your cells have these little hairy structures around them, or should at least. And if a bacteria comes in, it gets caught in it. And it's like, oh dear, oh geez, I can't go anywhere. And then that's when your natural defenses can come in and attack it before it even reaches your cell. Now, what tends to happen is if you don't have the necessary sugars not 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 the the sugar again the sweet sugar the necessary sugars in your nutrition that can build these little hairs which are constructed with the sugars then you've got you get bald cells your cells go bald in, inside your body so that's that's a huge part of your immunity gone completely gone you know so i mean i hear a lot of people say oh i don't like mushrooms blah 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 the thing is mushrooms have these beta glucans so does oats by the way which will actually help your immunity drastically. And that's why you're getting more and more research. I've noticed that actually my skin has gotten better since I started eating We use it in herbal medicine for skin, actually. Specifically. Yeah. I've got the tincture sitting over there for it. And it's really tremendously good for skin. Tremendously good for the gut as well. Like very healing for the gut and relaxing to your nervous system. It's a fantastic herb. In fact, it's our native. It's our local native. Before the spud arrived and we started eating potatoes from South America... Oats was our our staple food, you know. The par I said the porridge with the nettles in it. It's even features in in the Irish mythology. Um, was uh, Din Kicht, the 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 main physician and healer of uh, the Tuatha de Danann. He has this porridge recipe, you know, and he loved his porridge. And it's, there's loads of stories about him and porridge. So it was a staple food back in the day, you know. I mean, I would take mine. I like soaking mine first. I think that's an important thing. I do that thing. too. Yeah. 
Um, then other ways of, of, of eating grains, for example, is protein them as well, which, which can reduce up to about 40 to 60% of glutens, natural occurring glutens. Of course, oats has a different form of gluten and far less than the, the grain, uh, the, the wheat that was introduced in the 60s after the, after the war which is you know, now more resilient and all this stuff, but it has really, really high, high amounts of gluten, which irritates obviously a lot of people's guts. That's, that's, no, that's really interesting about the mushrooms. I'm, I'm, I actually, um, I have a subscription with, um, with Garth, Wild Irish Sage. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting his teas on a monthly basis and now it's coming to autumn. So he introduces um, medicinal mushrooms mm-hmm. into his teas. So um, I would drain quite a bit of these. And I was, at the start I was a bit apprehensive because I thought, oh, mushrooms really don't agree with me. And pretty mm-hmm. soon I discovered that actually drinking it in tea mm-hmm. in, in smaller amounts and you do have to boil it up for quite a bit yeah. to, to make the extract with the with the tea. But um, it actually agrees with me. And, and again, Brilliant. it's um, uh, his his autumnal tonic, which I, believe, which I believe does have reishi mushroom in it. Um, it's actually really great for like my gut and and overall I always feel that my skin's glowing whenever I do and I don't drink I don't need to drink much whenever I get it in my batch I have like maybe a cup or two a day and mm-hmm. that's all it takes mm. um so it's really interesting to know about the mushrooms definitely and um I, yeah I, I'm glad we talked about this because the sugars it's really it's been puzzling me for quite a while and uh, the more I'm looking into it the more I'm convince that uh, maybe completely cutting out all the sugars out of my diet for so long was actually uh, maybe slowing down the healing process mm-hmm. um, in, 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 in some way. Definitely, um, I'd, I'd think so. I'd say so. Um, in, in certain ways, you know, I'm not saying like grow out and start eating all the sugar you can get your hands on like but but as you said like a handful of berries now and then allowing yourself to have the honey and you have to remember as well part of the healing and again this it's, it's a whole link between mind body uh, and spirit you know if you're unhappy right and you're forcing yourself to do something and this is this is something that's, that's very strong we're, we're t- even taught in clinic that we even actually see it in clinic if someone is unhappy the healing process slows down and to be honest there's nothing nicer than allowing yourself to have a few strawberries or that little bit of honey now and then because it does give you happy and makes you happy and your little gut bacteria down there probably sing songs as well (laughs) and send those little happy messages to your brain and and you know what that's okay you know the odd time you know now and then um it's 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 you know it's, it's again it's about it's about moderation and and not allowing yourself to be like you know i mean i was a chocolate fiend for a long time and it was just chocolate upon chocolate upon chocolate that's not it's not good it's not right it's a huge medicine it's incredible for your nerves it's got magnesium um it also is slightly stimulating but you know there's no reason for me to eat so much of it and so now when i do have that one little square of chocolate now and then i i love it and i really do enjoy it and i feel the goodness i actually nearly feel the the reaction in me you know it's like coffee it's like you know there's a lot and i don't want to to annoy any coffee drinkers out there but i used to be one myself but when i reduced the coffee and then completely stopped it it changed but then now when i do take coffee and if i am feeling drained and i take it like a medicine then I actually feel the benefit of it because it's not just being chronically taken, you know. Um, 
and you know the long term effects of taking caffeine all the time is is probably just as bad as taking loads of sugar all, all the time you know it's 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 yeah i suppose it's our it's our obsession in a way isn't it of of finding something to to hang on to and to to repeat and if we're able to all make those little daily rituals different by adding variety or making you know adding a few leaves in hot water and letting that seep in like the lemon lemon verbena there and drinking that you know still very enjoyable and and very beneficial so it's finding these little little ways of changing things slowly balancing out how we live now i feel bad about eating so much chocolate <laughs> <laughs> no don't feel bad don't feel although bad. my the, the chocolate i eat does not contain any sugar i'm i'm a, I'm a little bit addicted to 100 percent cacao bars i have to say oh wow wow that's yeah yeah it's hardcore and then once you get addicted to it it's it, it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i put it in everything like any raw treats i might get home i wonder if i could coat it in chocolate <laughs> <laughs> excellent what about uh, herbal medicine and viruses this is a very current topic um mm-hmm. and i wonder um i've been very interested in recent months um in uh, herbs that are particularly helpful have some antiviral properties mm-hmm. there seems to have been um, a few studies that actually discovered that some essential oils can match up their antiviral activity to some drugs mm-hmm. um so i wonder when it comes to herbal medicine um how can herbal medicine be helpful in in terms of um the human body fighting viruses so having antivirals yes i mean there's herbs that are quite known to be antivirals um under the microscope you know again for example garlic um um i think vervain as well and a few you know a lot of aromatic herbs as well have these antiviral compounds in them but at the same time like what does it mean to be antiviral like the 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 main aspect here is The, the true way to essentially protect yourself from a virus whether it's a cold or the flu or this bigger thing um, it's 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 about your immunity okay it's it's not to do with oh I can take this this herb or even this synthetic drug and you know like um, uh, and and expect that to magically disappear you know it's like it's like taking antibiotics that's not really the solution when you have an infection it can help yes but it's going to kill all the rest of the bacteria so if you're able to take something that again removes that imbalance and that's why we use our herbs for for infections i've not been on antibiotics um i think the last time i had antibiotics was probably when i was nine when i had an ear infection i'm still alive and well you know i've not needed to touch an antibiotic once i've had you know cuts i've had infections i've had bronchitis i've had all sorts of things but i've been able to survive without antibiotics um, and that's because of the immune system is what i'm feeding into my body so everybody has an immune system everybody has this incredible machine of a body which has the ability to create antibodies to create um uh, to create compounds and 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 um, uh, macrophages and all these like white blood cells have a whole array of different um, um, uh, functions, and so it's it, I find really that 
what we should be looking towards are herbs and nutrition and even lifestyle that encourages our own immunity, right? Because you don't hear about that. You never hear about that. And it's, it's a topic that's so relevant. We, we talk about it all the time um, because it's, it, it is relevant and it's, it's you know, it's, it's the key um, defense for your body against every, anything else. And so, you know, I, I, I can't say, oh, there's a one herb or a herb that'll, you know, be a complete antiviral. I mean, definitely, you know, things like echinacea, elderberries, I mean, elderflowers, they're known to have antiviral properties. But beyond that, they boost your immune system. And what does that mean? It helps basically your, your, this sums gets so complex. Even scientists don't understand how it's affecting the immune system, but it does. But, you know, this mushrooms, again, coming back to the mushrooms, taking uh, uh, reishi, for example, has the ability to allow your body to choose whether to uh, use uh, your innate immune system or your adaptive immune system. And and so you've got two different type of systems uh, that your body switches on to. For example, an allergic reaction is going to be your innate immune system, which is given to you by your mother during birth. Uh, uh, if you have a vaginal birth um, and then when you're breastfed that's innate so that's your first defense and then you also have the adaptive immunity which is then the more intelligent defense the the little white blood cells go out and eat and identify and create the, the antigenes and your body has to switch to one or the other and there's certain conditions that if your body goes in the wrong one you could it could be death or life um, so for example reishi mushroom has the ability somehow and we still don't know why to actually allow your body to make the right decision in your immune in your in the immune response so that's one example then you've got you know the rest like all these different herbs and plants um that will have different functions to encourage this you know you know herbs that are going to help your bone marrow for example and 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 or the function of your bone marrow you've got and angelica uh, angelic for example um, well obviously bone marrow is where a lot of your blood cells come from you know so that's going to encourage the production you know you've got other herbs like the echinacea the elderflowers which are going to also improve the function of all these tiny little uh, floating cells in your body you know um, which is why it's imp important and, and I suppose um, that's, that's what Danny would say he says you know it should be 8 to 10 8 to 10 instead of 5 a day should be 8 to 10 a day and that can be in a form of a tea so you've got yarrow you've had two of them here with your lemon verbena and your yarrow and your tea and then you'll go home maybe have you know some food with carrots and onions and whatever 40 varieties in a month okay 40 varieties so you don't eating basically carrots peas and potatoes every day you're allowing to have a variety of different things and throughout that month you're going to have different teas different vegetables it's seasonal why not you know go out get some rose hips or make some elderberry syrup have that that's another one it just all adds up so that variety of things um introduced to your body is going to improve these things now then specifically if you are sick you can then take certain things that will drastically improve your health and improve function so these are the antivirals that we're maybe talking about so you've got as i mentioned the echinaceas and the elder flowers or elderberries rose hips um, uh, and then any of the aromatic plants so from lavender to thyme to rosemary um, rosemary is specifically a great one 
um, and again you can make it into a tea you can throw it into your food um, garlic you know garlic leeks leeks I'd say even better specifically for this uh, particular one for colds and for coronaviruses in general as a, as a, as a whole and um, there's, there's numerous studies out there actually on leeks the house leek you know that you can eat and, and it's delicious to eat um, and again that's that's part of the variety isn't it um, bring that in and introducing that as part of your diet rather than just sticking to the beige foods which don't have nutritional value don't have the plant enzymes that's going to help you don't have the sugars that we even talked about or the mushroom sugars or any of these uh, immune uh, and health uh, benefiting um, compounds you know um, and that's that to me is important such an important thing for your natural defenses and your immunity you know we don't talk about that another thing that we don't talk about is 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 the fact that many chemicals out there also um, directly hurt and attack your immunity um, like uh, like glyphosates or pesticides insecticides so when you go into a supermarket and you buy something that happens to have um, these pesticides and it's absorbed them and then you're eating that in in your body um, and again your gut bacteria is going off which is intrinsically linked to your immune system it's all connected you know it, and that's the difference from eating something clean and healthy and nice um, from from say an, or, an organic farm or from your own garden even better or from the wild even better you know um, and, and that's what's really important and then finally there is the other aspect which is again the sugar aspect and you'll be grand because you've next to zero sugar in your diet <laughs> but upon ingesting sugar like uh, say half a teaspoon of sugar okay your immunity drops for the next about two three hours or four hours so you're super sensitive to actually um maybe catching external um uh, infections just to clarify for our listeners now we're talking about the sugar as an additive as opposed to natural sugars yes foods. sorry yes absolutely yeah. i'm talking about white sugar yeah. or processed sugars um if you're if you're putting if you're having a cup of coffee and you add a teaspoon of sugar into it for the next two three or four hours your immunity is compromised that's it that is this is the science of it so these are things that we should be told to be honest because it's out there and we know this so you know really i mean if you don't want to catch any illness you know this is something we should be thinking about as well you know um think twice before adding adding a whole load of sugar to your stuff or before eating that big huge delicious looking carrot cake or that caramel salted chocolate brownie because <laughs> unless you're going to maybe stay at home and it's the evening and you're not going to go out to, around those people eating that will actually heighten your risk of getting it and 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 to be honest like the mask is grand and all that but the virus is far smaller than the fibers of your of your mask um they will come in anyways so we should be thinking about these other measures you know and uh, we really should be i mean we're talking about microscopic viruses like really so small they you know they'll go through anything so the the main defense the first defense the the body's own natural mask is your immunity and that comes with a healthy gut a healthy diet and conscious decisions in your life and your lifestyle
I'm glad we talked about it because I think it is really important. It's really great, great information. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I've actually, you'll be very proud of me when I tell you this, but um, one of the things that um, Stephen's mom grows in her garden is rosemary. Mm. And every time we visit or they visit, she brings me a whole bag of of homegrown rosemary and I learned to utilize it and I started to you know I started putting rosemary in my pestos oh wonderful! and she started growing oregano as well <laughs> so my like the ultimate pesto would be um either parsley or coriander base um although now I we have loads of at um at Azora farm we have loads of carrots so I would use carrot tips as well oh brilliant yes. so you have carrot tips or coriander parsley one of one or the other and then oregano rosemary and then I usually chuck in some of those nettle seeds and I just blend it in with some lemon juice olive oil a tiny bit of salt fermented wild garlic that I foraged in uh, sort of May June and yeah that's a pesto oh wow it's absolutely amazing <laughs> oh wow wow yes yes well that there that there is gonna be a nice boost for your your immunity now i, I can say that like, yeah that's packed with a with a punch i'm sure as well <laughs> that's lovely that's really that sounds really lovely yeah that's my go-to medicine and it's pretty much whenever i have a jar it doesn't last long because i just put it on everything mm, that's brilliant <laughs> that's brilliant but um talking about food what's what's your mm. diet like uh, to be perfectly honest, I have got to the point where I intuitively eat what I feel my body needs. For a while there, and, and to really drastically improve my uh, my skin, I went completely vegan. Um, but then I noticed um, I was getting certain cravings. There were certain things that my own personal body needed. And while being complete vegan would be grand for some person, um, uh, for some people, it, it's not for everybody again one size size does not fit all um so i started reintroducing um the odd bit of maybe goat's cheese or um um conscientious i suppose uh um uh chicken or 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 uh, beef the odd time again i don't eat a lot of it so i'd be 95 percent plant-based and the rest would be uh, or maybe 90% and the rest would, would then have um, um, animal stuff um, I would eat eggs I would eat eggs as well but um, yeah what would I eat uh, I suppose like the best way to do is go through a day isn't it like so I'd, I'd wake up I do like my porridge so I either have an overnight oats or I'll, I'll actually make uh, I'll cook up some some porridge in the morning I actually prefer the overnight one sometimes I'll do a shea seed pudding which is also equally as nice. You just put a couple spoons of spoonfuls of uh, apple compote in there, apple puree, and it, it just makes a lovely, delicious food. Um, then throughout the day, um, I do love my soups. So I would eat lots of soups or broths, or um, especially at the moment I'm trying to tackle my gut and my my joints. Um, so I'm 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 making bone broth out of uh, organic chicken. So you get the chicken and you eat the meat and then the rest of it, you can just keep boiling it till you get this really, really healthy uh, broth. Um, and um, and yeah, I suppose like uh, I would eat the odd bits of greens and all that, but I, I really it's, it's mostly vegetables that I eat. 
you know, I do all sorts of different things. Um, I, I forage a lot. So I'll eat wild mushrooms, wild greens of all sorts, you know, even a bit of seaweed here and there. I don't really gather it here. So I go when I go down to Cork or whatnot, I'd, I'd gather the seaweed because I, I don't really trust the, the sea in this side. Yeah, Helen's Bay is probably not the best place to I, be gathering I seaweed. No. I, I have a feeling, I'm yet to confirm this, but I have a feeling that when it rains for a long period of time or when there's a heavy rain, there's a bit of a sewage going into the water. Well, That's there why are, that this... don't swim there when it's really heavily raining because I don't want to swim in it. Yeah, but, yeah Bali Home in Bangor was, was voted one of the top 10 worst uh, most polluted beaches in Europe um, a few years back because there's a direct sewage going out there now I believe they have since then dealt with it but there's still several other places down this whole way and it's not just actually us here I mean actually a couple of weeks ago there was a whole big slurry um, spillage which no one not many people knew about and some people went for a swim and came was out it stinking. a Crawfordsburn? Uh, downhill yeah Helms Bay all this kind of area so I, I really don't trust what, what's happening around here. And then we also have just, I mean, it, it's probably the Irish Sea is, is, is one of the, the filthiest and most polluted seas, um, potentially in the world even. Um, so, I mean, we've got the other side of us um, in England, there is the, the large um, uh, nuclear power station, for example, um, and you've got all the boats coming past and all this stuff. It, it's not a great place. Uh, I would... I would stick to north coast, west coast, and maybe south coast. Um, Do you know, I've noticed it particularly now when we were um, at Greystones and I went for a swim in Greystones, and oh my God, it's like day and night. The swimming, they're so clean, so beautiful, just gorgeous water. It was just such a pleasure to swim in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you notice the difference. Kind of reluctant now to go back and swim at Ellen's Bay, to be honest. I know, I know. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, there's some people that doesn't bother them. You know, I could be wrong. You know, this could be just me. You know, um, I do. I am aware that uh, the water is much cleaner near the peninsula area, um, as you go beyond Bangor. You know, from Groomsport onwards, you're you're talking about a lot. Um, just the way the currents go. You, know, you do notice it, like even when I sometimes swim with Dunagari Chunky Dunkers in Dunagari, yeah. like it is so much nicer. Absolutely. It is so much cleaner. And even though yeah. it's you're in, in, in the port, it is still cleaner. It, it is. Than where I normally swim. Exactly. You know, you don't have the whole Belfast Loch coming yeah. in. No. Um, and there's a, the Peninsula Kelp Company down there, and, and they've got lovely seaweed. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm just, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm a bit apprehensive about <laughs> That's where I travel and go go off places, you know, to do that. Yeah. Pick a seaweed, but just not around Bangor. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Between Bangor and Carrick, avoid. Or even Lorne, so. <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would be my foods. Yeah. See, from seaweeds to wild edibles and then obviously the delicious organic stuff that, that I would get from the farm. That sounds that sounds very similar. You're you're very similar to me. I mean, that's pretty much what what I eat like as well. And sometimes I I forget myself and I start leaning more towards a lot more towards cooked food, and then my body will let me know that hey, actually, you need more raw stuff. Yeah. Steer away from your it's a balance of both. Stuff, so. You want the balance of both, I suppose. Yeah. Well, for, for me, anyways. And again, again, everybody's different. You know, some people may not stomach raw because it, the enzymes. Yeah. high enzymes uh, some people may not stomach 
non-cooked food and then there's a seasonal aspect as well so i try to eat as seasonally as possible you know so you are talking about roots and all this in winter time so you're going to eat your soups and your broths and your but coming in springtime you've rested through winter time you're waking up your senses in your body your enzymes are maybe naturally a little bit lower because you've been sitting down being lazy for a while uh hibernating so you're wanting to eat the dandelion leaves the all the all the raw deliciousness that's out there and coming in and helping to cleanse your body and then you've got your berries and your your bigger harvest in the summer so i i try to be as seasonal as possible as possible which is helpful working at the farm and then also eating wild because then that, that nature provides that you know and do you have any favorites do you, do you have a favorite um either vegetable or i suppose with you it might be probably a herb i'm guessing <laughs> i could say the obvious one which is nettles but i feel i want to say something that's not obvious like i mean nettles is one of my favorite to be honest and it's a staple you can put in your porridge you can put it in soup you can well uh, make a tea or tea out of it uh, you can welt it you can put it in anything as a, a spinach or charred substitute. do you use the entire nettle or do you just the leaves nettle tops Ah, okay. So I use nettle tops. So they are a strong mineral accumulator. So the darker, lower leaves will have more minerals, maybe more calcium. In fact, when once they start flowering, they get these little calcium yeah. formations, which is why they say you shouldn't eat them beyond a certain point. Really, you can if um, and that. Uh, if you if you see ones that are lighter and it's the tops, I tend to I'll eat them even in in. Um, you know later in the season you know there's nothing toxic about it and um, if you had a history of gravel or gout or things like that then you'd be more careful but i mean for the amount you eat you know um it, to be honest drinking dairy is far far worse so if you're drinking milk daily having having you know late season nettles would be grand but yeah um and it, it would be i mean from that you even get the seeds that you were talking about earlier. That makes a great food. Um, so, so I would say they are probably one of my favorites. Um, but for this season specifically, um, and you don't get a lot of it around here, but it's burdock, burdock root. And burdock root, it's a bit like a carrot. And you can cook it or you can make a nice big brew out of it and it's got a distinct taste and it's wonderful tasting. It's really, really good for skin as well as a medicine. So, you know, you get the benefit of eating the the root of the burdock uh, plant. So can you actually eat it the same way you would eat like vegetables? Just yeah, can yeah. you treat it like you veg? You can chop it up and throw it into a soup and, you know, you can eat it raw. It's a little bit bitter, but it's actually really nice and taste, tasty once you cook it up. You know, it's quite fibrous, so you do want to, to break it down. But that's the root, so we're going into the autumn, winter time to make your soups <laughs> wow i never i never knew that i always you know imagined burdock it's just like tea for me mm -hmm. it's just burdock burdock i suppose it's burdock leaf as opposed to burdock root i'm, I'm guessing or so it, it depends it depends um it, it, it depends i haven't i haven't came across the burdock leaf tea myself i mean medicinally um traditional chinese medicine they use the seeds um but we would use the root as well um, as an alternative. So like a blood cleanser um, and a, a bitter, like a liver bitter. 
So you can actually make, and you, you can find them out there actually, you can buy burdock and dandelion coffee, for example, where you've roasted, they've roasted the, the, the burdock root. But a fresh burdock root, chopped up, thrown into a, into a soup. Mm, it's lovely, it's really nice. Wow. Throw, throw them alongside your parsnips and your carrots, and it's, it's, it's just a delicious uh, vegetable basically wow that's amazing i never knew that mm-hmm. do you have a recipe that you could share um uh, right now uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well uh, if you have one right now i won't say no <laughs> well i mean I, I, I suppose that's that's what i said there like you, you when you're making if you're making a a good oil broth you know a good a, a nice hearty soup all you need to do is grab the root of uh, or a few roots of the burdock and give them a nice clean super fresh official clean they'll always have a little bite brown you don't need to peel them uh, in fact peeling them removes a lot of the bacteria that actually create b12 so you actually get a natural source of b12 and when there's little particles of soil even and you just chop it up throw it in um and just boil up your soup um it takes about the same time as carrots and parsnips to 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 cook the burdock root and then by the end of it you've got it's just you've got these little chunks of burdock and that's as, as simple as that wow and where would you normally go to is there any particular types of landscape where you would go and find burdock root so burdocks um places i have seen them a lot would be hedgerows and forests they seem to like a, a certain amount of shelter they like a bit of shade um i mean it's easy to spot them at this time of the year because they're the big plants that have these big spiky looking um kind of flowers on them or burrs the burrs basically um they're called and and you if you put your hand to it they'll uh, they'll stick into your skin and without pain no pain they'll just hook onto your skin or hook hook all over your um your clothes um in fact that's where the guy invented velcro from he came came up with the idea for velcro by looking at the burrs of the burdock because wow. they just hook, they just hook into everything. That's how they travel about. They're they've been in decline again because of the habitat thing. I've not actually personally seen. I've been planting them up at the farm, but I've not personally seen many around here. Um, I would gather them at my friends down near Dundalk or or down in in the Cork area, which which has loads loads of amazing varieties of, of plants. That's a really interesting one. I have to I have to on my next walk I have to look out and pay attention to see if I can spot any. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's really interesting. I never knew that. Thank you very much for that. Oh yes, very important thing I wanted to ask you. You are just finishing up your this is your last year of the herbal medicine. So what's what's the future? What what's the what's the, what's the plan because you I can totally see you doing foraging walks and and teaching people. I can totally see you as a as a master teacher. Um teaching teaching um you know what I've been thinking what we really need actually in this country and probably worldwide we need kids foraging walks to mm-hmm. teach the future generations about wild foods because kids are more likely to teach their parents although more a lot of parents probably just wouldn't listen but i think um i think that's an important thing and that's probably a very important job to do i can totally see you running <laughs> some foraging workshops for the little ones um but yeah what 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 is it are you are you offering currently any courses or planning to offer any courses um and or are you going to be running a clinic or what's the future 
all the above. I'm, I'm already doing um, herb walks. So on occasion, I, I, would, I would put up the, do, do the odd herb walk. Um, I do them uh, around these areas. Um, I've done ones in Helens Bay, up in Cave Hill. Um, I've also done down in um, uh, in Dundalk and a few other, and, and I may be doing some down in Cork as well. Um, I have this uh, course I want to do, uh, the run. Uh, I've been developing the curriculum. Um, I'm just having to get around all the, 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 the most recent regulations and, and having to be adaptive about it. So I may have an online aspect or component to it, um, which I don't really want to do, but it may be necessary. Um, and this will be a kind of wild crafting course for people who don't quite want to do the whole thing that I'm doing, which is quite intense, quite heavy on, on the wallet as well, I suppose, but it's for career, but who want to bring these aspects of wild crafting at home. So, you know, what, you know, if someone gets a cut, what, what can you go to, what, what plant can you consult? You know, if you want to uh, imbalance maybe a bit of colic or even just cook with wild food make a cream what's the difference between a tincture a decoction and an infusion infusion so um i'm developing this course for people who want to do that um and i'm hopefully going to run it um either in the next few months or if not if i don't get time i'll, I'll definitely do it next year um, and i'll be operating it in maybe two or three different parts of the island and uh, I'm also in the process of building a traveling apothecary. So wherever I'm, I am honestly thinking of basing myself around Cork uh, as a base because of um, of the variety of plants that I can have get access to, and there's far more wild wilderness and and forests and, and varieties and sp of species over there. Um, but I will always be coming back up. You know, at least once a month to 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 these parts, and um, um, and to do either herb walks or to actually treat people. So that's why I'm going to change um, and have, convert a van into a apothecary and have all my herbs traveling with me. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so that's the plan. Yeah. That sounds so cool. Thank you. Oh wow! <laughs> so it'll be the. Celtic Fox Travel Apothecary. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's really cool. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That sounds amazing. My friend, he uh, he owns a, a woods, and he says, "Ah, oh, look, buddy, I'll give you some oak to uh, to do the inside." So he's going to give me some nice uh, oak wood that's been growing on his land for hundreds of years. And I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, so you're gonna convert the whole van? Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> oh man, I can totally see it. All the herbs hanging around and all the <laughs> bottles. and <laughs> Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and where could people get in touch with you if somebody wants to either ask you a question or inquire about the herb or if somebody wants a little bit of advice or if they want to book into a student clinic or where can they get you? Um, so I've got a website, uh, which is as simple as www.celticfoxherbal.com um, with a contact form, my email address and whatnot. Um, I also have an Instagram which I'm quite active on so I actually put lots of information about plants and little recipes and things up on that um, and it's again it's the same it's uh, at uh, Celtic Fox Herbal um, 
Uh, and there's also my Facebook page. Now I'm not using Facebook as much these days, um, but anything that I put up on Instagram automatically gets posted there. And I do occasionally check my messages there. So there's, there's a few different ways. Um, or the odd time if I'm down at the farm and people are down ordering stuff, like sometimes I'm running about the place in the plants or within my wee garden. So um, yeah, that, that would probably be the best ways to, to get in touch with me. Um, yeah you have actually um you have actually uh, started herbal garden in helen's way organic haven't you yes i've got about 50 different herbs there wow that was the that was probably the last thing the place needed just somebody to come and grow some herbs <laughs> yeah yeah i done my last harvest um actually yesterday um of, of a lot of, of of the aerial parts of the plants and i'm going to cut them down and do a few roots over the next few weeks and then that's me uh, that, that's me uh, leaving it dormant for winter and then is it um, is it the herb garden going to continue after you've after you've relocated to, to Cork is of there somebody course. is somebody going to take over or well I'll be coming back at least once a month um, it's super low maintenance the way I grew, I grew it and you kind of want it to grow a little bit wild so I will keep an eye on it myself. If if a student or someone from who goes to the the, the course, the Excelsior uh, course, um, ever wants to help out or, or or get involved, then I'd be more than happy to, to to get the help and obviously they'd reap the benefits of getting the herbs in return because um, it it yields quite a nice amount of plants and I actually have so so many that I don't know what to do with them sometimes, you know so. I don't have enough potching to make my tinctures. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's why I get them hanging, hang them all around the place because I'm, I'm running out of room. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Luke. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad we finally sat down mm-hmm. and, and, Me too. and had a chat. And um, yeah, hopefully um, I'll, uh, we'll see you in your travel apothecary thanks mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah absolutely very much looking forward to that thank you brilliant thank you very much if you'd like to check out Luke's traveling apothecary in the future or if you'd like to book a herbal walk or an appointment or simply learn the basics about local herbs foraging or get wild food recipes you can simply follow Luke on social media with the handle Celtic Fox Herbal or visit his website www.celticfoxherbal.com where you can get more information as well as get in touch. And while Luke didn't leave us with a particular recipe on his favorite seasonal vegetable, which is the boardwalk root, his advice on how to use it is pretty simple. Use it as you would any other root vegetable um, like carrots or parsnips. So if you have a burdock in your garden or if you manage to find any on your walks, make a nice winter vegetable soup. And if you need an inspiration, Roshin from the Little House of Calm shared a nice alkalizing soup recipe back in episode 7 and you can find the recipe in the file section of our Facebook group page, The Sweet Spot on a Farm where you can download it as a PDF, along with all the other recipes shared on this podcast to date. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen to us. We do need those stars and reviews to help us get in front of as many relevant ears as possible. There is so much content out there for everyone to choose from and honest reviews help listeners navigate through it all to find and select the content they are actually interested in. 
and it helps us content makers to get matched with the right audience and also getting feedback from our listeners really does help us improve our work. So big thank you to those few who have already left us some stars and a few lines. It is much appreciated. And on that note, have a lovely couple of weeks. Go for a nice walk and see if you can recognize any seasonal wild edibles. And if you're not confident enough to forage just yet, you can book yourself into a foraging walk. And most importantly, whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.